I'm Maddie. And I'm Ryan. And welcome to The Mutant Ages, a show where we watch every adaptation of the X-Men. And this week, (laughs) we are still going to do that. Yeah, it's been a week. Back when we were young, we experienced a change. We felt a power grow in us, both wonderful and strange. The power to care about the X-Men and the mutant brotherhood. All of their adventures, more than anyone should. From the comic book pages to the talk about stanley a little bit because he passed away this week so it's timely and it seems weird not to acknowledge it because this is an x-men show and it's a historical x-men show but at least in this case i wish i knew more about stanley's life so that i could say something profound here but i feel like i don't know if this is the case for you but i feel like mostly what i know about stanley is like filtered through the lens of marvel comics where like i'm getting the like marketing friendly best possible version of stanley as opposed to the sort of flawed human being stanley which yeah but that's like that's anyone sure but i feel like a lot of people just after a celebrity dies people usually come forward to be like oh like don't forget he ripped off jack kirby and like don't forget all these other things he did that were bad because like that's just how people tend to react to death. That's, yeah, but that's but that's. I, I mean, I'm less I saw familiar that. with those things personally. I just don't. I don't know about a lot. I of I mean, it. I'm familiar with those things, but I, and somebody can hate mail me this, but I don't. This, all that shit that happened happened when the comic book industry was just starting, and it was like three guys, four guys in a room. Yeah, it's like when you do a show with somebody and you create a bunch of new characters. Like, imagine if you and I decided what if to Gino became wildly yes. successful and you totally and then, oh i'd be mad at you forever though you would be mad but also like but, uh, who owns those rights because yeah. it's stuff that we never figured out mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. so and it would be really hard I mean, to prove i mean it's it's not don't do that ryan don't become stanley not, okay no, no just kidding I mean, if you I want to become, the opportunity there, to how could i even how could i even doubt you for it because i mean we don't even honestly we don't even know what happened like no, it's I all know. hearsay I feel so like we don't that's know a pretty good analogy though because that's also kind of how i think of stan lee at this point where it's like he ended up coming up with a lot of ideas debatably but he ended up being the face of many of those ideas whether deserved or not that's how he was seen and so also i mean it's more important to think about what he did actually do in order to make the comic book industry boom in the way that it ended up becoming and how he paved the way essentially to make comic books grow in the way that they did and he was also generally a good human being I mean, I know he's got his flaws. We all do. It's like, you know, we've all done shitty things before. And we're not perfect in any way. But he always did step up and he fought like bigotry and racism. And he made sure to make that reflect in his comic books, particularly with Captain America and uh, the X-Men, the original yeah. X-Men and the Fantastic Four. I mean, I don't really know what he was actually like in his personal life, but for better or for worse, he was pretty overtly to the left politically and 
all of his public appearances and writings about comics. And like, that's why in this day and age during like comics gate crap, a lot of people were trotting out a lot of Stanley's old columns being like, Hey, comics were always political. And like, because Stanley is such an old institution at this point, like almost more so than he is even seen as a human being, that would be kind of an argument winner to be like, well, Stanley was the guy who wanted comics to be political allegories. Like that was always yeah. what he wanted. So you can't argue that he didn't want that because we have so much documentation showing it and like showing that he was willing to back comics that were about the civil rights movement and about all these other things from his time. So, right. I mean, that's pretty cool. Like regardless of anything else, I, I feel like those old columns are still pretty neat to read. And we linked some of them on the mutant ages Twitter this week after his passing. Yeah. Yeah. We pet it was, it was a rough day for everyone too, because like he is an idol he was certainly one of my idols because he was... Ryan, don't he, screw me over after you become famous. Don't oh do it. Oh, my God. If anyone's going to become famous, <laughs> it's going to be you. You're already on the right path for that. I don't know, so, man. But, but what I'm saying is that like, it was a sad day because he was like one of my idols. And I, I couldn't figure out what to say either because I felt like everybody was waiting for me specifically to say something. And they were. I mean, like I wasn't wrong. Like All my friends and family were like waiting for me to say something because they knew I'd be sort of upset about it since... You know, X-Men. Yeah. And my whole life is like about Marvel. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not true. There's other aspects, too. Nope, but it's like, your you whole know, life. It is. It is. It's my whole <laughs> life. But, you know, we have an X-Men podcast. Yeah, in that but I mean, you were the person who introduced me to this stuff. Like, it's me, too, but it was really you. I know, and I introduced Katie to it, too, and, like, all of our friends You've in our original group. basically been, like, going around converting people to the yeah. good word of Marvel. I mean, comics. I don't need to do it anymore because the movies do it for me, but now I have to take the new movie fans and convert them into, like, the correct versions of these characters, uh -huh, so... Uh -huh. So really, Stanley should have been thanking you for all the work that you were doing converting fans over the years. Nah, it was mostly you. Stanley's it wasn't all those those high budget Hollywood movies. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But you know, it, it was sad and it was a rough day. And I think eventually, what I did say was my whole life has always been relevant to the X Men, and that he paved the way for other people to write and create these worlds that would be like sort of a safe space for. Uh, like anyone really i mean for us it was because we were gay or like nerds and we had the x-men <laughs> and they spoke to us on a deeper level that like it's all we can fucking talk about for like 20 something years now and counting or for well you and me i've been talking about it since i was a kid so really it's been like 34 years for me but that's what i said and that he did stand up for basic human rights and that's awesome and we should not negate that he ever did that and that he did do a lot of great things for the industry so yeah i mean that's know. a cool way of thinking about it that like he picked up this torch or whatever and other people have picked it up after him and taken it even further and that's really cool like it is really cool that's a neat thing. We get great things like X-Men, the animated series. Hell yeah. An incredibly gay show that continues to be gay in the best possible ways. I know, I know. And also think about Pride of the X-Men when he did the whole intro for that. Yeah. You should just put that in here for everyone to have. Welcome. This is Stanley of Marvel Comics warning you to look around you. Your classmates, your friends, you never know which one of them may be a mutant. A person born with strange and wondrous powers. Now some mutants, like the X-Men, use their special gifts for good. But then there are the terrorist mutants who plan to destroy the human race. 
Yeah, also, just as another aside, because who knows when we're going to have time to mention this, I finally got that X-Men, the animated series book that we've been talking about oh, on the show. It? And I've been telling you about it. Like, I read the v- opening chapter and found out all of this information that I somehow didn't know and that you didn't know. So I'm sure the entire rest of the book is just also going to be crazy, where, like, the entire part of the X-Men creative team, like, a lot of those people went on to make X-Men, the animated series. I didn't realize how much overlap there was in terms of the development of those shows and how long they fought to have X-Men the animated series and how difficult those conversations were, like selling this concept to people, especially in terms of marketing the show to girls as well and trying to come up with a version of the show that was appealing to young girls and boys. And they obviously succeeded. It's one of the most successful TV shows ever still in history and it's still considered like it's critically acclaimed. Obviously we critically acclaim it on this show all the time, but it's just kind of like a perfect storm of good things that happened when it came to that show. So does it go like, does it go by episode by episode at all? Like, do it they goes have basically in order. No, it goes ba- so far. They've just been going in order of the development of the show. So like the beginning okay. of the book is them talking about pride of the X-Men and like how they even went oh, about selling the show X-Men, the animated series to like different networks and all of the fights they basically had trying to sell it. Like that's the part that's I'm still in. Crazy. It's fascinating to me to read about. I mean, I, me too, from a production standpoint, yeah. that's amazing. I think you'll like it a lot. I'm going to lend it to you. It's very readable. A lot of it is done through interviews, like just transcribed interviews with like showrunners and stuff so far. Um, yeah. But it's, it's not, written in like a dense or complicated way it's just like this is this happened this happened this happened it's very like reportery <laughs> which i appreciate all i want is the information i don't need to be like dressed up at all so it's t- absolutely crazy that we never bought this before i mean it the, only we recently were halfway came through out. season three on our show come on didn't it only come out like a year ago or something yeah i think i don't remember it came out like around the time that we started doing this show so i mean it's good timing for us anyway we watched another episode of X in the Animated Series because that's what we do on this show. Yeah, speaking of the perfect storm, we're going back to Storm. But <laughs> oh previously God. on the X-Men, uh, let's talk about what happened last time. So the X-Men went back to the Savage Land, which they had previously been to before when Mr. Sinister was keeping Professor Xavier Magneto as his little fuck toys. Yeah, along with we the got a nice boys. little flashback to that in this episode, although we didn't Yeah, we do, time, we do. But... I was actually in a way disappointed that Mr. Sinister didn't show up Me in this. Too. Spoilers. He shows up in but... a flashback, but that is all we get. Oh, It was well. not enough for me. But things that did happen the last time was that Wolverine and Kazar turned out to be good fuck buddies. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. it turns out that Wolverine and Kazar, Kazar, by the way, is just this cool caveman guy who lives on the Savage Land and hangs out with all the villagers there who are of unknown origin. But he's not actually from the Savage Land, but he just kind of hangs out there. He just chills there. He's got a pet tiger. And apparently in between the time of Mr. Sinister and this, you know, Sauron and his species tried to stage a takeover, but the cavemen, the Flintstones, they fought back, mm-hmm. and now Sauron went crazy, and he didn't have any power to drain, so this new crazy priestess, Zaladane, appears because a bunch of rocks that look like Olmec from Legends of the Hidden Temple were all over the island, and so... She sends him off to New York with no real purpose, but, but apparently there, there was, was a, a purpose. purpose. Secretly. I know. <laughs> and so they go, he goes and he kidnaps Storm and brings Storm back to the Savage Land where she unleashes all of her powers because Storm is normally collected and in control. 
And that's pretty much all. That's pretty much it. Like, there's not anything Should else. Should we there. explain that Sauron is a pterodactyl who can turn into a man again? If he's a were pterodactyl, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. He he has were pterodactyl powers, and his real name as a man is Carl Lycos. But if he sucks up and mutants energy, he becomes a pterodactyl. If he sucks up enough cum, he turns into a pterodactyl. But if he sucks up human cum, he's fine, and he just stays alive as a human. So that's what he has to I do all the what time. What kind of metaphor is that? <laughs> Listen, Whatever. I don't know. The show came up with it, not <laughs> us. <laughs> Actually, technically the comic books did, but yes. Yeah, the cum thing is absolutely part of the comics. It's canon. So anyway. Um, before we get started, I do want to say for our fellow viewers that are going to be watching along as we do this. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you are somebody who enjoys smoking, I recommend getting stoned before <laughs> oh, you get to the middle of this say. episode. I thought you were going to say something actually helpful, which is that apparently some streaming that services... That was helpful! <laughs> some streaming services have the episodes in a different order. We got a reader mail about this. Oh, that we yeah. Can talk okay, that's right. You can, tell, you can talk about that, too. Do you want me to say that, I or mean, do you want to? We can read the reader mail later, I guess, because I don't remember who sent it to us anymore. Sorry. But, yeah, basically, we're just watching this episode because, I don't know, we already started, so we may as well just keep going in the order we were going in. But yeah, these are a couple yeah. of great episodes, and it's kind of a shame they just got right. shunted okay, that's off another later. thing, is that normally with these two-parter episodes, the first episode is fantastic, the writing's fantastic, mm-hmm. and then the second episode... Is bad. Not the case this time, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't even say that's bad, so which it just doesn't hold up to as much as the first half does. But in this case, I thought the second half was better than the first mm-hmm. half, and the first half was really good. Uh, there is a minute, there's a hot two minutes in there that I want you to be stoned for because it makes <laughs> no fucking sense. Yeah. But then after that, it's a lot of fun and it's very gay. Like, I think this is storms coming out story. <laughs> it definitely is. It definitely is. Also this episode, the second parter clears up a lot of the questions we had during the first one and like some of the weird narrative problems it had. So like just overall, this episode is, is a stronger one. Anyway, the end of the last episode was Storm having been brainwashed by Sauron into losing control of her powers. And so she's been unleashing this massive storm across the Savage Land. Yeah. And, and she's cackling like the, the Wicked Witch of the West yeah, now. She's yeah. like, ah! <laughs> She only does like, it during the intro. And then after that, she never really does the cackle again. But she definitely does. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was Zeladane. Maybe it wasn't even her. I don't we know. We don't know. I, the Storm voice actress definitely gets to have a lot of fun with this episode. This is like the really most does. intense we get to see Storm. Um, so I she's was thinking the same flying thing. flying around the sky and being like, Rage! wins your mistress craves more and the she like creates a fucking tornado she creates like 10 of them it's amazing and so like down on the ground wolverine and beast and jubilee and carl lycos and kazar are just hapless observers of all of this and wolverine is like what the fuck is going on and carl who is sometimes sauron so at least he kind of knows what's up is explaining that it was sauron's fault and that his hypnotic powers have taken away her self-control. I hate I hate that Carl, like, when he's sore on, he's like, that wasn't me, that was somebody else. Yeah. And it's like, no, it was still you, dude. Like, there's no way that you, like, suddenly, like, this is, is not Jekyll not and Hyde. You're still the same fucking person. how that works in this episode. You know, like, fucking Bruce Banner is always like... Yeah, Bruce Banner you know, takes responsibility for what the Hulk does. Like, even though he versa. sees it as a different side of himself and he doesn't have control over it, he takes way more responsibility for it. Whereas Carl just, like, lies around feeling sorry for himself, <laughs> being like, I feel really bad about the Sauron stuff. I mean, it's not really my fault, but, like, oh, God, what a burden. And it's just, I don't know. I'm not... 
I wish they had done a little more with it, but oh well. I mean, I don't even think that's the cartoon's fault. I think that's just well, who yeah. Sauron is. I, I mean, I think you're right, because even in the comics, they're apparently two separate entities. So right. what are you going to do? So the storm's being animated to like have her eyes flickering, and it looks really right. cool. And the animation in this episode, again, Great. is fucking fantastic. It looks it's awesome. It's beautiful. And they do, they do a lot of new stuff with the animation in here that they hadn't done in previous episodes where... A one character will be in focus up close and then behind it it won't be it will be out of focus so i think they were playing with new perspective yeah which like you well, don't also need probably to like do new that technology that they had in terms of animation you could have everything be equally crisp but instead they're like yeah. yeah and they're doing a lot of like crossfades too with this where like storm is crossfading into like a image of a tornado and stuff which is very like old school <laughs> yeah it's fun yeah so jubilee comes up with this new moniker for herself which is jubilee of the jungle and she hops onto a pterodactyl and is like if jubilee of the jungle can take down sauron then storm should be a snap and wolverine is and wolverine's like what the fuck no <laughs> he's like jubilee stop where do you think you're going which is like the most parental anyone's ever been with jubilee and so i know jubilee flies up on her pterodactyl meanwhile storm is like sending these tidal waves out knocking over a billion dinosaurs everywhere yeah she's just like killing dinosaurs i know a lot of dinosaurs die you're right you you keep pointing this out dino rights <laughs> it's fucked up and so storm is just standing on top of a tornado and just like knocks jubilee off the pterodactyl like instantly like as soon as jubilee gets up there and then I know. rogue catches her and just shakes her head going jubilee of the jungle which is pretty funny even though they're all it gonna is pretty funny die. like they're all gonna almost die and i know like, i know jokes but that's classic x-men okay but also every single time i hear jubilee of the jungle i think of this old pc game from the 90s called jill of the jungle which i'm sure you don't even know what that is but like i don't i mean i figured it was a george of the jungle reference but i know it was but i you know me being me would prefer the character that i it's like george of the jungle or jill of the jungle i'm like jill yeah. because i want to play as a girl jill so, valentine of the jungle is that the game jill valentine <laughs> of the jungle along with jubilee <laughs> that sounds like a great mashup of three properties with which everyone is familiar right somebody send that fan art in at the mutantages at gmail.com that sounds great um okay so remember zaladane the priestess of garrick i don't even know how to explain any of this shit but oh my god i'm yeah, so, the rock i think his name is right uh, yeah you're right but whatever it doesn't fucking matter because i didn't even write down his name i wrote olmec every time well his name is olmec so zaladin is bowing down to olmec and he's talking to her he is a big stone head for like 95 percent of this episode by the way so like when you picture him you just picture a huge stone head and so he talks to her and he's like i feel myself growing stronger it is what i have awaited for centuries elemental power surges throughout the savage land feeding me and then he like collapses crumbles into this weird black sparkly shadow that starts moving yeah we, didn't, we don't really know what the fuck's happening here and zaladin says no during that but i don't know why because it turns out it's actually a good <laughs> oh, thing because no because storm sh okay so storm hit garak with the lightning and he shattered and so she thought he died oh. i think and then when she saw the shadow going she's like oh, oh i so see she what's thought happening that him crumbling and like turning into a shadow was killing him but it turns out it's not it's actually making him more powerful than ever okay but we also we learn. never find out the source of zaladane's magical powers she had in the last episode because she doesn't use them again yeah i don't know i mean it seems <laughs> like perhaps 
Garak can imbue certain objects with magical powers because later oh, so maybe it seems like the necklace that Sauron had yeah. turns out to be revealed to matter because remember last time we were like what's with the necklace well it's all revealed in this episode finally but I was wondering about that like if Zaladin was maybe getting some sort of magical objects or power from Garak yeah, you're right you're right maybe Not it's that, that it's he made that little wand for her I don't know yeah maybe um in this episode she's pretty useless anyway there's a lot of wind because Storm is shooting in wind this episode, everywhere she's useless in the comic books too <laughs> So back to the X-Men, Wolverine pops his claws and starts threatening Carl Lycos. And he's like, all right, Lycos, what did you do to make Storm wig out like this? And and again, he's all like, it wasn't me, it was Sauron. Yeah, he goes, I did nothing. Sauron took away her control. His powers of suggestion are far beyond those of normal hypnosis. And Rogue is like, I can vouch for that. And so then the ground starts shaking. Okay, this is, this is amazing, by the way. <laughs> what? Because, okay. So there's like a fucking earthquake yeah. and everyone's like, uh, and Beast is like, has Storm added earthquakes to her powers repertoire? <laughs> and Logan's like, it ain't no earthquake. And then like the fucking stampede from the Lion King comes at them, except it's dinosaurs. <laughs> yes. And they just all stand there. <laughs> I'm like, uh, <laughs> like Rogue's the only one who leaves because she's like, Rogue okay. Has to pick everybody up and like fly them out of the way. There's like a really funny shot of them flying into the cave where Rogue is just like carrying everyone into the cave and it's great and then logan goes boy that rush hour traffic's murder isn't it and i was like i laughed at that really and kazar just like ignores him and continues speaking seriously and he's like if the rain continues i fear for my people's lives and ours as well which is like his nice way of turning to logan and being like we're all gonna die stop i know choking around and so beast is like talking well, about logan's like, logan's like i'm not gonna die you're gonna die yeah that's a good point he doesn't say that but he could he's, he's, he's thinking, thinking it. it so beast is like trying to brainstorm some ways to calm down storm and rogue has an idea which is that she could fly up there and absorb storm's powers while everybody keeps storm distracted which would slow her uh, yeah. down and then logan's like and have you messing up the weather from here to Barbados? I don't think so. Which is a fair point. Like, as soon as yeah. Rogue gets the powers, then. But then, I don't know. That would require Sauron to brainwash her, too. And for the moment, Sauron doesn't yet exist. I feel like the plan right. they come up with here doesn't make sense. Just for the It record. doesn't, but also, they don't... They, I mean, the plan they came up with doesn't make sense. But also, they realize that all their plans suck. So they have to come up with something, but they really don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah, so. I mean, I guess if Rogue were to absorb Storm's powers, she would also potentially be unable to control them. And that's why they don't do it. And that's why Wolverine is like, you would be ruining everything if we did that. Right. I mean, like, think All about right, when I'll go along Storm, like, I mean, Storm went Rogue absorbed cyclops powers and she just like took down a building immediately and she just didn't close her eyes and she's like blowing shit up screaming how do i turn it off and we're like rogue shut your eyes yeah you're you're probably right she probably fucked things up immediately logan's right so beast is using a analogy from the odyssey by comparing it to skill and charybdis oh that's what it's from i didn't even think realize that yeah the proverbial rock in a hard place, he says. Everyone ignores him. Carl just goes, I can do it. Fly me close enough and I can absorb her energy. And Logan points out that then he'd obviously become Sauron again, which is exactly what they don't want. And Carl is like, do you think I want to? He's a monster. And everybody's just like being really emo at each other. 
I know. And then Beast juts in to point out that Carl could have absorbed any of their mutant energy and become Sauron at any point if he had really wanted to. And then Carl just begs them to let him go up and be the hero and absorb Storm's powers and do this. To right the wrongs that Sauron created. Not him, Sauron. Yes. And then Kazar... It's like fucking Charles Xavier again when Xavier like beat the shit out of all his ex. And he's he's like, like, it wasn't me. It It was was just just the evil side of me, but that's a different side of me. Yeah, it's another one of those plot lines. And so Kazar by being like fighting Sauron is preferable to fighting this because obviously Sauron is a little more within the realm of somebody they can beat than Storm who's way right, right, overpowered right. Uh, meanwhile Storm's still killing dinosaurs yep and so Rogue flies Carl up to Storm and they kind of sneak up behind her and Carl well that's because Logan and Kazar are throwing those fire rocks from catapults at her to distract her mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're doing their job and so Carl touches her back and sucks in her energy except then right. Once he starts doing that, he's he refuses to release her. And so right. he starts turning into Sauron and, you know, becoming his evil self. And Rogue so catches I, Storm, who's passed out Right, and Ro- Well, because Rogue is going to catch Storm. But I, when you think about it that way, like he's... It, it must be for Sauron or Carl, whatever the thing is, whatever his fucking deal is, it's like absorbing that energy must be the utmost pleasurable thing for him and he must enjoy it like in the same way that like a, an orgasm feels really great and when you're at that point you don't want to turn around it's you want like to keep going it's like a vampire analogy like this is always yeah. why vampires are such a like sexual character because it's always presented as like oh you, you start sucking blood and you can't stop and right but and like so he admi- it's, it's like, like almost that. like he's like I this is an addiction I have and I don't want to support it I, I'm a monster for having this addiction but also I love it and so once when he gets his hands on it it's like that addiction comes back a little bit I, I'm like just breaking down Sauron's yeah. psychology right now i mean it could be kind of an addiction metaphor or it could be just like a sex thing i don't know i don't know it could be all of it you know yeah you're right carl is addicted to sex and it's a problem for him and that's what this episode's about so anyway he yeah. turns into a pterodactyl and just flies off and rose he just like screams around he like flies he's like <laughs> he's like, ah, I'm so like what's happy, going on Sauron is free and he's like screaming about it and rogue follows him and she's still like carrying storm like a princess in her arms i know rogue's like not having any yeah, of that and she's shit. just like are you gonna help us fix up storm or am i gonna have to take you out and sauron like tries to attack rogue and she just goes <laughs> yeah, i like, wouldn't touch so me if to i me, were you but then he does anyway and this is kind of a cool animation thing where like He's absorbing her powers, but she's absorbing his at the same time. And so they're glowing. Yeah, so they're both kind of transforming. So he's going back to human form. She's becoming the pterodactyl. Yeah, Yeah. and there's all this light and stuff. And it's then they just get blown apart. And Sauron doesn't pass out. Like, Rogue's powers normally would suck a person's energy and make them. Yeah, and also she's not Sauron. Sauron. Yeah, it's just, it's a cool thing where, like, both of them just kind of cancel each other out. And so then she lands by the X-Men and puts Storm down. And Jubilee's like, what happened? And Rogue is I like... I know, Jubilee's like, what the fuck was <laughs> happening up there? And Rogue agrees it was fucked up and is like, it was real weird. I think our absorbing powers canceled each other out. And then they all go back to the village. And that's that, I guess that's how that's going to go. There's no further explanation of what happened that ever happens. No. 
I mean, I, it's pretty self-explanatory. They both had energy-draining powers, right? So, and that I mean, are apparently it, perfectly equal to one another. Fine, sure. So anyway, the Garrick shadows are spreading all over the island, and they're turning everything into this, like, shiny rock, which... Yeah, it almost looks like a diamond, but not... I was wondering later, given all the volcano stuff, if it was supposed to be, like, obsidian, like that shiny volcanic stuff or something. Uh, but... Maybe. I don't think it is, but that'd be cool. I mean, I have a lot of obsidian in my... Uh, uh, house like for real anyway it doesn't matter because the episode doesn't explain it um so back to the village beast gets a first aid kit from the blackbird i kind of liked how many establishing shots there were in this episode it was like every single thing was explained concisely like just in right. a quick shot it shows beast getting the first aid kit from the blackbird and then heading back to the village to like help where the Storm. flintstones are worshiping all yeah night. so like all these villagers who again are wearing flintstone outfits but have like viking haircuts i again we will never know, you know what the deal is we'll with the never savage know. Land. I don't they're, know they're flintstones but they're also vikings so they're That's bowing down party. to the garrick statue and just in the background of that jubilee and wolverine and kazar are just watching them and so Beast reemerges from this tent where presumably Storm is resting and explains to everybody what's going on. And he's like, I've given her a mild sedative. It should prevent her from regaining consciousness and creating another maelstrom for a time. Doesn't work, by the way, but we'll get to that. I mean, he's just <laughs> fucking shooting the shit. I mean, there's many times in this episode where Beast is like, I have a hypothesis. I have no idea if any of this shit's going to fucking work, but it's better than nothing. <laughs> yeah. And so Jubilee responds to be like, the professor told me how hard Storm works to keep her powers under control. And I thought my powers were a pain. And so then Beast talks to Rogue and is like, when you and Sauron were connected, did, could you read anything that he was thinking? And yeah. Rogue only has one piece of information to offer, which is Zaladane. Zaladane's name. Which... You know, what's interesting is that she's like, that's all I could get. But like, really, Zaladane has no purpose in this episode. Yeah, I've, I'm kind of surprised she didn't put together more than that. But Kazar at least is able to get a clue out of it, which is that he explains Zaladane is a, the high priestess of Garrick. Or he says she's proclaimed herself that, which suggests that yeah. she doesn't really have any true power, at least according to no, this episode. No, yeah, and I think, I think that's a cool yeah. way to do that. And so then he goes, I wonder, and just walks off without explaining what he's thinking about. No, not at all. But meanwhile, Wolverine's just standing in Storm's room, staring at it or sleeping like a creepo. This is such a, a classic X on the animated series thing, too. Like, once again, a character's watching another character sleep, and it's going to happen multiple other times you in this episode. You know what's funny is that we insulted me for when we read that old story. Well, because when we, when we did the Dark Crystal Geno reading, and like there was all those scenes with people just staring at other people sleeping. It's like clearly I was influenced by this show. This show does it all the time. I feel like we need, if we had a drinking game from this show, that would definitely be on the list. Somebody is watching someone else sleep. Yeah, somebody should like create a drinking game and send it to us with what we've put on our show yeah, so except far. We I don't drink, so you guys can play it. Anyway, it'd be funny if like, no, we'll do a drinking game with juice. Okay. That doesn't <laughs> work. Anyway, Wolverine's watching Storm sleep and just being like, don't worry, Storm, we'll take care of Sauron for you. And then Storm wakes up, which I'm pretty sure she wasn't supposed to be able to do, and just starts talking to him and like correcting him and being well, like... Well, I mean, she's clearly sedated enough where she can 
you know, like come out and not start screaming shit. You not know? yet, but in a minute. Anyway, she's she's fine for now, and she's like, not Sara on something else, something very wrong. I sense nature out of balance, and evil within the land must be purged. This evil must be destroyed. And then she like walks out of the hut and just uses lightning. Yeah, like Logan doesn't stop her, by the way. I don't think he could, honestly, <laughs> based on the rest of I the mean, episode. Maybe you're right because like later on, like Wolverine has that comment about how he's like, uh, you probably should have pissed off Storm. Mm-hmm. So it's there's it's a little bit inconsistent, like the characters being able to stop Storm or not. And I'm sure some of that is like based on Storm allowing it to maybe. happen or not. I, I do know in the comic books, like Logan has like extreme respect for Storm. So I think if she feels good enough to walk, you'd be like, all right. Yeah, I mean, she that said was kind she's of fine. how I interpreted this scene. And even when she's walking out of the hut, like, Beast sees her leaving and doesn't stop her either. Like, all the other characters are like, oh, I guess Storm is up. Let's see what happens. I know. But then she immediately uses her lightning powers to destroy the Garrick statue that's, like, being worshipped. And then the villagers yeah. turn to her and are like shocked. I know. I wasn't sure if they were going to attack her I don't, or not. I, but Kazar runs we over. It's like, uh, what happens. Um, but then fucking Beast comes running out. And he, it's like, what is? I don't even know how to describe what is happening here. He's got like a backpack that's like, I don't know, fucking Inspector Gadget crossed with Banjo Kazooie. It just fucking. I don't know how to describe this at all. Okay, that happens like in a minute. First, what happens is Storm summons all of this wind. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And she gets rid of the villagers, and then Rogue is the first one. She literally just blows everyone away. Like, before (laughs) anybody even tries to attack her, Storm immediately blows everybody down. And then Rogue tries to be like, come on, sugar, let's get you back to bed. And Storm goes, I said stay back, and like knocks Rogue down. And there's like this sad shot where Rogue is just like lying on the ground staring at her, like, are you serious right now? Yeah. But then the Inspector Gadget thing happens, which is really funny, where, like, the rest of the X-Men just, like, inject Storm with something. But, like, Beast definitely has some sort of weird metal, like, headgear. I don't know. Like, it, like it's like, okay, so he's got this backpack, right? Of, I guess. It was really funny. Yeah, it's funny. like a little pipe comes up and, like, a little hand that comes out and, like, hands him the... It's ser- the, the funniest shit. The because it's never explained and it's never been seen before in an episode where it's just, like... Apparently, I'm just gonna have to put this up on the just Twitter because I don't know what it is and I thought it was really funny too so then Storm passes out once again after getting sedative yeah. number two from Beast's metal backpack thing oh my god and Beast is just like crisis contained and Wolverine's just shaking his head like no Are it's you- not you idiot <laughs> yeah like you couldn't even do it before <laughs> <laughs> anyway so Sauron finds Zaladane and he's like lecturing her about how the invaders must pay for their insolence and Zaladin is just standing there with her hands in the air just wait that was so funny though because Sora's like I need to take out all these people send me my troops and Zaladin just goes no it's so funny and but first she just outright ignores him and he's like are you deaf woman and she's like no and he's just like you <laughs> it's like so me. funny where she's just like fuck off i think it's supposed to be funny or at least i don't know who knows um and she just goes lord garak has decreed you have outlived your usefulness and sauron is like lord garak is nothing but a lifeless stone and he tries to use his brainwashing powers to like get her to be on his side again but then all these white ropes or vines pop I out of the i think they're the vines but i think they've turned the color of obsidian <laughs> yeah okay and so they wrap around him these volcanic ropes and they hold him down and then this rock man in the background is like not as lifeless as it appears and for some reason Sauron is still screaming you do not exist 
just even <laughs> yeah, as... Yeah, and he's like, fucking... Like, Garak's like, clearly I am, idiot. Yeah, he's like, I, as you can see, I do. It's <laughs> it's funny. I don't know if that was supposed to be funny or not, but oh, I Oh, wait, laughed. no, this is, this is the part... All right, everyone, take a hit of your bowl. It's time to fucking <laughs> get high and do this oh, scene. Oh, my God, it's time for a fucking flashback. Uh, uh, it's all you, Maddie, because I just... All my notes just say, what the fuck? Who the fuck is that? What the fuck is happening? This is fucking insane. What the fuck is happening okay, now? What I the fuck really was all that? I was really hoping that you like knew this guy's backstory, but I guess you don't. I mean, we, I, when I, I wound up researching it because I really don't remember very much about Garak. And like, I think it's because... I mean, I, I don't know. I never knew to begin with. So there's a flashback to Garag, who apparently was like this gray skinned guy with he like was, but a lot of this stuff yellow, still isn't correct. So under eye makeup that would make David Bowie jealous, yeah. and like red eyes, and this cape and no shirt. It's like a great outfit. He looks great, um, and he has this scraggly hair, so he just looks like a gray wizard guy. And then. So he's ruling over the Savage Land and he's monologuing about like, oh, back in the day, I was a gray guy and I ruled over the Savage Land and it ruled. But then uh, this other purple guy shows up. I don't know who the other guy is. Okay, but I don't either. And I did. I, I looked it up really afterwards and I couldn't fucking feel. I thought I was making a reference to me something, too, but it's too. this other dude that like they fight and then he just flies into the atmosphere. I was like, what happened? Okay, I don't know who the purple guy is, but he shows up and somebody he tell him. us. He shoots him with like this yellow energy lightning beam. Yeah. And the way Garrock describes it is I alone ruled this land until a powerful enemy defeated me. And banished to this rocky prison, I lay dormant for thousands of years. Like, as soon as he gets hit with the energy beam, he turns into the rock. I don't know why right. he turns into a big rock head. <laughs> he literally turns into the rock, yeah, AKA he turns the into actor, the rock. the rock. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. No, he doesn't. He's not even close to that charming. And so no. he says, I lay dormant for thousands of years, remembered, worshipped, yearned for until one day, dot, dot, dot. But he wasn't worshipped the whole time because Kazar was like, yeah, we had never even heard about this rock guy until like a few weeks ago. So like, that's yeah. just like a weird continuity thing. I feel like it would make more sense. I mean, that unless Garak is just, just like, putting himself on a platform. He's like, everyone's been worshipping me for several <laughs> years and you just didn't even know I'm no, that famous. It was just like maybe a couple people. Anyway, yeah. so after that, we go to the next flashback, which is to the Mr. Sinister thing. And we yep. see a little bit of, of stuff we've already seen in the past Savage Land arc in the previous Sinister. season. It's where Sauron is brainwashing Xavier to contact the X-Men and bring them to the island. And that happens. Wolverine and everybody else shows up. And then the X-Men end up blasting Sinister into little smithereens. And we don't get to see as much of that as it would be nice to I see. I was really hoping that like they were showing that so it would turn out that the smithereens turned into Garak. Me too, but it doesn't happen. And also I knew that wasn't actually Garak's situation anyway. Like I know he isn't related to Mr. Sinister, so I was kind of already knowing that that wasn't going to happen, but it would have been kind of yeah. fun if this show had conflated those things because it is sort of silly that like they already introduced this other villain on the Savage Land who was Mr. Sinister and Sauron before. And so now we're coming back and Sauron's still there, except now instead of Mr. Sinister, it's just this other guy who isn't yeah. related to Mr. Sinister. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Anyway, allegedly the X-Men being there and Storm just so happening to also be there was what awoke Garak, apparently. I don't know why, because I don't know. that part didn't fully check out for me. Also, like it was like bizarre because this little like statue's eyes would just suddenly start glowing whenever Storm flew by. I didn't know what was happening. Yeah, I mean, basically we're supposed to believe that because Storm has this 
elemental weather power, something about her being on the Savage Land and using her weather powers while she was there caused some thing to shift magically or whatever in the island. I don't know. And then he goes on to explain. Doesn't he like go on to explain something about the Savage Land? And like it, none of it's even really explained. Okay. So here's the part you're thinking of, I think, which was... I awoke weakened but alive, but to fully imbue my life force into the land, I required Storm's power and its total savage fury. My priestess sent you, Carl Lycos, known as Siron, oh to God. her. It was no accident that you were drawn to her. I gave you that yearning. Which I was like, okay, well, first of all, don't call Storm Savage. That's rude. Second of all, <laughs> why was was that the necklace? Like, that was how I interpreted that. And I was kind of relieved that that part finally made any fucking sense because I was like... Okay, so the necklace, the reason why Zaladin gave Carl the necklace and put him in that stupid spaceship was so he would suddenly be imbued with a yearning to kidnap Storm as soon as he saw her and yeah. then bring her back, which is what happened. So do you think that's what it is? I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's that's what I think it is, too. And, and then, so then like, he, he continues yeah. talking for a full two hours and then he uh, yeah. explains the fucking volcano shit which oh my god i don't explain in can't, quotation marks i don't actually get this i mean we enjoyed this episode but i'm not gonna pretend this makes any oh, sense oh no i don't I and i think this is supposed to be them sort of explaining how the savage land exists but it doesn't i know okay so he says that apparently there's all of this underground magma that maintains the savage lands tropical climate but but he's saying that but they're also animating past the magma there's always machines yeah i don't know and and also like he says he's going to absorb that energy what kind of energy is it it's like they're sort of combining like science fiction and magic or something like I don't know. I couldn't tell like what form of energy this even was. And then like later in the episode, people are absorbing volcanoes and shit. So like, it's not, (laughs) it's not going to end up making sense. Like it's just energy, whatever energy is. I'm like serious. Like, this is the part you want to get high for because yes. the second half of this episode is fucking trippy as hell. Yeah, but it is really fun. I I it enjoyed is. watching it a lot. Even though it didn't make sense, I was kind of like, I don't need this to make sense. I don't need you to explain this show. Just keep me on this weird journey. So right. anyway, Rogue and Storm are gay. That's the next scene. Yeah, and then there's also an earthquake going on and everything's turning into the obsidian. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. wait, but then the mountain so, turns it. Wait, doesn't the fucking when the mountain just turn into fucking Garak? I think you're skipping some stuff. So I don't know. <laughs> Legends of the Hidden Temple. Well, first, Rogue is res- is like stroking Storm's hair and Storm is like begging her to restrain her. And Rogue oh, is I like, like that's the part I missed. Is this incredibly gay shit this that is you the were part really I wrote excited down. about? And Rogue is like, and I was the one who told you to let loose every now and then. Shows what I, I don't know. Even remember the scene. I think I was in shell shock from whatever the <laughs> fuck just happened. This is one of my. This is clearly a scene I remembered. So then, <laughs> I remember then, the end. I don't even remember this. I just watched it two hours ago. It's okay. I wrote it down. The ground is shaking. <gasps> this is the part you remember. Rogue yeah. flies back out of the tent from visiting her girlfriend and is like, "Now what?" And Kay's are is like the land changes and then this is the part where Garak surges out of the ground and like starts monologuing at everybody and creating this huge cavern like Indiana Jones and the Holy Grail falling into it style oh that's right because like so it's like creating a huge what is it called not a cavern it's like when the yeah, earth it's basically like breaks Indiana apart. Jones where it's just it's I don't know what to call that either. Yeah, and like all the people just fall into it and die. Yeah, by a the bunch way. of people fall in, but there there's a shot of Rogue flying in and saving a bunch of them, and then 
Wolverine goes up and scratches Garak and helps Kazar up, and the two of them have their little gay moment. We're being boyfriends it, it's together. It's pretty gay. It's cute. But then Garak just immediately comes back again because, like, you can't really yeah. defeat him. He's part of the island now, so he can just re-manifest himself as, like, a big rock guy. Wait, isn't there, like, a scene here when a giant hand comes out of the ground? Yeah, that's isn't right that part after of it? where Wolverine, like... Gets rid of the rock head and then a big hand yeah. shows up slowly. Yeah. But he, Garak isn't yet like a person. He becomes like an actual human rock guy at the end. But for now, he's just like our head and then a hand and like a couple other body parts. I don't fucking right. know how it works. Anyway. And Storm's inside the hut. This is trippy as fuck, too. It is. It is. So she's like speaking to no one in her sleep being like he's free corrupting the land and then i guess garak makes the house close in on her which is well first it turns into the obsidian and then it starts like warping around her yeah and like you know she's obviously panicking because the house is closing in and it's storm yeah and she's got um claustrophobia yeah and so she manages to explode herself out of the house which is badass and she's like evil must be stopped i yeah. summon the bitter winter frost and like tries to cover garage she flies up and that's snow. wolverine has like great line where he goes not a real good idea to make her mad yeah yeah it is great unfortunately the snow doesn't work and he just like garage immediately just breaks out of it again and so beast points out that Garak, this is where he reveals his hypothesis, which he takes like 12 minutes to explain. I'm glad you wrote this down because in my I notes, I wrote, Beast explains something. Maddie, please write this down for me. Okay. Ryan, it didn't make any sense. So there wasn't anything to write down. <laughs> so so Beast noticed that Garak is directing himself towards a mountain range, I guess, just by like yeah. creeping along the ground towards it. And Kazar is like, those are the volcanoes that heat the Savage Land. And Beast is like, this is just a hypothesis. And then I wrote, but Garak could use the magma to blah 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 I, that's <laughs> all i wrote basically just the same shit where he's gonna somehow absorb the energy from the volcanoes to do something question mark i don't i who knows storm it's a already volcano. tried snow and now she's trying to use sunlight question mark to heat up garak for some reason yeah. and that doesn't help at all and just seems to be making Garak stronger all the time. And so then Beast has another hypothesis, which is that Storm's attacks are just strengthening Garak. And I mean, he's right with that, He's actually. right, but it's also, like, yet another X-Men TAS thing where, like, once again, our heroes are fighting somebody who somehow becomes stronger every time they're hit. This whole thing reminded me of the Child of Light episode again, where I was like, oh, no. Here we go. We just did this two episodes with Deken, and now it's like... I the rest of this episode, but I didn't want it to become a Deken battle. Luckily, that's not what it's I mean, no, be. it becomes like a kaiju big battle it instead. It does. And so Rogue is like, we got to stop her from helping him. And Beast tells her to stop, tells Storm, Storm to stop over like their little intercom thing. And she's like, leave me alone. And so Rogue has to fly up and grab her. But also Beast doesn't take, like, maybe if he was like, Storm, don't attack him because your powers are making him stronger. He just goes, he has, instead he goes like, Storm, you must stop attacking him because I cannot explain what, like what would happen if you <laughs> keep on doing this. So please come no, down. It's like and like Beast, you could have explained it in the time that you just said you couldn't do it. Yeah, I know. Anyway, Rogue ends up having to strong arm her way out of it by grabbing. Yeah, Rogue Storm. does not give up at this. By the yeah. way, at any point, she keeps on going for Storm every single time that Storm screams. No, Rogue's like, "Fuck this! I'm not giving up on you. I'm coming back." I know. I love them. And so Storm throws her off. And meanwhile, Sauron further away on the island manages to break out of the ropes and fly off over to the fight scene 
And this is around when Garak turns into a massive rock man who just rises up into the sky. Hopefully you're high <laughs> by this point, so you're enjoying all of this, probably. Um, and then Sauron flies in, and Sauron starts monologuing, being like, Sauron alone will rule the savage land, and, like, flies into the volcano, because there's a volcano. Well, yeah, there's always been volcanoes, but I don't think, like, they were erupting before. Yeah, but now it's, like, red on the inside, so when he goes... When he goes inside the t- the volcano, he like is touching it and being like, "I will absorb every ounce of energy you possess." So I guess he's absorbing Garak's power from the island itself by touching a volcano. I don't. I, I guess I don't know. I mean, it's a power of the Savage Land, apparently. Yeah, and so Sauron is just absorbing that, which he can also do in addition to absorbing human and or mutant powers. He just I know, and a Sauron's like, it's too much, I can't, now. Yeah, and then like, like, suddenly really he becomes like the orgasm. size of fucking Godzilla. Yeah, so that, that was weird. I mean, everything's weird, but for some <laughs> reason, Sauron no, becomes it's all, this is all normal. huge. He becomes the same height as huge rock man. And so then there's a huge pterodactyl man and a huge wait, rock wait, wait, man. Wait, 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 huge rock man or a huge Jackman? Yeah, huge Jackman is also there. Just also. <laughs> he's also giant now. Yeah, but he's not fighting because he believes in love. So then the two of them just grab hands and they're like pushing each other. Like they're not even. It's this kaiju big battle. It's literally like when Godzilla fights any other giant monster that he fights. Yeah, it's like Olmec versus Pterodactyl Man. Anyway, meanwhile, Storm is still losing it because everything's out of balance and, you know, she's tapped into the earth and everything. So she's like this is evil. All of these things have to be destroyed because this is completely unbalancing the earth. <laughs> Wait, this whole scene doesn't make it. Do we even know how, like what happens? Cause all I can tell is that rogues like storm, get away from there. And then Sauron, Sauron shoots like an eye beam of a rock who like explodes. And then it like goes to space. And I'm like, what's happening. There's like a huge explosion basically. And there's a shot that shows the explosion from space because somehow yeah. the explosion is so big that it can be seen from like a nearby satellite. So this is just like a cool animation trick they do where they show like a fucking, yeah, yeah, yeah. what looks like a nuclear bomb going off on the savage land. So when I saw that, I was like, so is just everyone dead but no i know but then it shows like a leaf going down a stream peacefully and i was like what what (laughs) i kind of like that shot though to be totally honest i love it too because like (laughs) okay it's it's actually really cool because they show the stream and then they show the reflection of beast and wolverine and jubilee and case are running along the stream and then they show them actual them running yeah it was a really cool series of shots but it was it was it was a cool series of shots and wolverine's freaking out because they think that storm rogue are dead yeah so like they run up and there's like this blackened volcano which i don't know what happened to the two big kaijus that were battling over there they're gone and they're just calling storm and rogue's names for like a while and they don't answer and then finally rogue pops out of this pile of rubble and just lifts up a rock and is like hello we're fine and she's like over here boys <laughs> yeah it's funny and storm is unconscious but she's still alive so they take her to the blackbird and then there's like a quick shot of garak who's back to being a stone head again just like lying sideways next to zaladin who's also lying down and garak just goes i was so close i know it was like 
what are you yeah like how are you like who the fuck are you alive even like what and who are you we may never (laughs) know and then elsewhere on the island carl is lying around in his shorts oh yeah this is like another gay scene that's about to happen there's like a whole bunch of gay scenes at the end this is a very gay episode folks the whole show is gay but this episode x-men the animated all the x-men are gay Mm -hmm. the end they are blanket statement Carl is just lying there. It's a very like post Hulk moment where he's wearing his like torn shorts and just being sad. And so then Kazar walks up. Is Kazar's wife is also there? But don't worry, she doesn't. But she matter. has no lines. Yeah, she's just in the background being like, "Why did I marry a gay man?" And so Kazar <laughs> walks up and like loans him the energy that he needs. So like Carl absorbs Kazar's energy or something. Right. And they sparkle. That's because they're gay for each other. They're That's gay. not energy. That's out. just their love. And Carl drinks Kazar's cum. And while that's happening, yeah. Kazar's like, with no mutant energy to tempt you, the presence of Sauron will haunt you no more. This is kind of like what you explained on the previous episode with Sauron's backstory, where like now Carl can just hang out on this island for a while and not be tempted. I mean, it's in a different order, but this part at least kind of is in common. Well, I think, I think maybe before he was doing that, but then the X-Men came back and he was like, oh no! I don't know. Yeah. And so then at the end of this scene, Carl rips off his necklace dramatically, which I was like, why didn't you do that sooner, dude? But whatever. He couldn't do it before for reasons. I don't know. Who the fuck knows? Uh, Back on the blackboard, we have the gayest scene that has ever taken place in the entire animated series. (laughs) Which is really saying something. I mean, it's like, I was like shocked with like how actually gay it was. Yeah. Like not in a bad way. I was just like shocked that it was happening. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So Storm says, Storm and Rogue are talking while Storm is lying in a bed again, because that's the only scene that exists in this episode. And I'm fine with it. Storm goes, about my behavior back there. How can I ask you to forgive me? And Rogue goes, hush now. You just need to rest. And Storm is like, I'm frightened, Rogue. And Rogue is like, listen, Sugar, that wasn't you out there. Don't forget, Sauron messed with my head, too. And Storm goes, while clinging to Rogue's arm. I know. Very romantically and looking deep into her yeah, eyes. I know. While they're basically in bed together right now. I, po- I, would, like, I already posted the photo on my own personal Twitter, <laughs> and I just was like, Storm is gay. Storm just goes, thank you for your understanding. All these years of caution and denial to finally unleash my true feelings. I liked letting go. Never before have I felt so free. And that's how it ends. That's how it ends. But that's like, then that's boys and girls. That's how Storm came out of the closet. They fuck. It's amazing. Like, that's a coming out of the closet and metaphor. Right? Like, that that has to be what that is. (laughs) Rogue opens a briefcase. It's a full collection of strap-ons. She doesn't necessarily have to touch Storm in order to fuck her. It's fine. She just puts them on over her suit. It's a really X-rated scene. But I liked it. Yeah. And I thought it was animated well. I also liked that she also pulled out all that vinyl (laughs) so she could touch if she needs to. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty great show. Anyway, politics? Because apparently this show being gay is as political as it gets. Well, we could we could go back to like all this shit with Sauron yeah. when I was like trying to figure out his fucking psychology. I mean, which isn't really politics unless it is in terms of him denying himself being gay. I feel like that is so sad, though. I mean, I know we joke around about him absorbing people's cum, but I feel like there is sort of a sexual tinge to the way that his villainy is presented. Like he basically was supposed to be a vampire, which we described in the previous episode, and like. 
in this episode, it's still kind of weirdly sexual where like anytime he's absorbing energy, he's like, oh, I can't control it. And it's like depicted as a bad thing. He's a very tragic character. So like, yeah. if you interpret that as a gay metaphor, it's really sad. I- it is really sad, but it is also some, it, I mean, it still exists now, but it was definitely in the 90s and before the 90s when Sauron was invented, like if you were gay, like it would be you thought you thought you were fucked up. You were a monster, you know, and it's actually kind of weird because like I was just thinking like two days ago before I even rewatched this episode, I was thinking about how when I was a kid, I had a situation happen when I was like I was like not even like like I was like nine. Right. And so like I was hanging out at my neighbor's house and there was like a kid there were two kids there was a there was a guy and a girl but the the boy wasn't there that day and so I was like I'll just hang out with my sister and her friend and like the mom like made some comment that was like if he's hanging out with girls that means he's probably going to be gay but therefore he's like mentally ill Oof. because in the 90s it was still presented as being gay was mentally ill yeah you know yeah so if you look at Sauron like that where he's like he's like oh I can't be who I really want to be because that means I'm insane yeah. You know? And it's also presented as this literal monster. Like, it's not just yeah. that his mutant power makes him feel like a monster, which is sort of an interesting parallel with Storm in this episode, which I like a lot better than the Xavier stuff that they've done, where they have him be like, oh, I have this other evil side I can't control. Like, Storm also apparently has this situation, except that she actually has a lock on it in a way that seems healthy and like is aware that her powers are really bad can can be bad but also can be good i don't know i just feel like it's presented with more nuance in the way that her lines are written and it's kind of too bad like i think i would like xavier more on this show if that was how he was written but i feel like storm is just better in this episode you know because it's like a similar kind of storyline where like this other evil character. I mean, it helps also that you can blame some of it on Sauron by being like, okay, well, Sauron brainwashes Storm, so now she's yeah, like Sauron's just kind control. of a piece of shit. Sorry. As opposed to just Storm being like, I lost control of my powers for no fucking reason. Like, I would hate it if that was what this episode was. I'd be like, what? Why is this happening? So there's like a framing device for why. But also like, yeah, right. And also if you look at it like from the point that at the end we, it, it seems like it is a metaphor for Storm coming out. Like their powers are like them coming out. It's weird. It's kind of strange to put them together where like Soren's denying this thing that he keeps letting out and Storm finally lets it out. And she's like, I'm free. I'm happy. And so Soren's like, I refuse to have happiness. And also ultimately what Storm's situation in the episode is, is trying to restore balance. Like for her, the storyline is presented that holding in her powers isn't necessarily a good thing when she needs to like save everybody. Like we don't really fully see how she does it. Like something happens. There's some sort of explosion. I don't know if it's Storm's doing or what. It could be Storm that causes it. But whatever happens, she manages to right the balance of the island. And, like, now everything is back to normal again. And everyone's happy. And so, like, her storyline is, like, yes, she has these powers that are hard to control and that people are going to try to use to their own ends and take advantage of her. And that's a concern and that's something that she has to worry about. But, like... Ultimately, she's not saying it was a bad thing that I lost control of my powers. She's just like, I thought it ruled. <laughs> like that's kind yeah, of yeah. She's like, yeah, I right. Know. I mean, I'm not sure like what the lesson is supposed to be there, but I don't know. And it's interesting too because in both situations, in Storm's situation, 
Rogue keeps on being like, it's okay to let loose. Even after it all happens, she's like, you know, it's fine. Like, you have to let it go sometimes. You have to allow yourself that. And Storm's like, you're right. And then Kazar, who also doesn't see Sauron as like a bad guy yeah, at all, because Kazar keeps on being cute. like, you know, I know this is Carl and I know him. And as Sauron, he's doing these things, but I know, like, you know, he just needs to figure this shit out. And he's very much like, you know, sometimes you just have to let it out. Carl, Carl's like, no, <laughs> there's just like distinct perils happening, yeah. which is interesting because it's not perils between Sauron and Rogue, which you think it would be. I know. I, I thought that was kind of neat. And it was also kind of nice that Rogue got a storyline where she got to not be the fucked up one for once. Like, I really yeah, enjoyed I seeing that because like Rogue has had to deal with like so many psychological issues on the show, like understandably. And like, that's often what her story is. But like for once, Storm, who's usually the strong one, is the one who's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing right now. And Rogue gets to serve the role of being like, it's OK. Like, this is just going to be scary for a while. But we're dating and I'm going to be there for you. Anyway, I love that. I mean, I love that. I (laughs) love that it kept on doing that too because she'd be like, I'm coming back for you. I'm here for you, baby. Yeah, it was awesome. And I also thought it was kind of neat that like, Usually with storylines where a super powered character is dating somebody, it's all about trying to protect them and like that person getting kidnapped or like being in danger or whatever. And this show does that sometimes. But like, I kind of liked that in this episode, it was like these two equally powerful women who canonically aren't dating, but whatever they're dating. Yes, they are. It seems like they have an equitable relationship because they're both really powerful, but in very different ways. And they both have these very different flaws and are like helping each other. I don't know. I just thought it was really fucking cool. I was like, so into it. It's a good show. It is a good show. I I loved it too. Clearly. Yeah. I mean, I, all of this has been so fun that I almost don't miss Gene and Cyclops and everybody else at all. I'm you know, it's like funny is that like Cyclops it. and Gene have not been around and I'm like, okay with it. Me too. I feel kind of bad because like normally I like Cyclops and Gene sometimes. I mean, I like Gene. I don't like Cyclops. I mean, sometimes Cyclops is like funny on this show. I haven't missed Xavier. I miss Gambit No, nobody misses Xavier. But I don't know. You miss who? Gambit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where is he? Who knows? He's busy jacking off by himself. I don't know. Uh, no, I, he's not jerking off by himself. He's getting laid. Yeah, he's busy like robbing banks and getting laid with security guards. I don't know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what Gambit's doing, but it's it's Rogue's off week with him and he's accepted that and he just understands that he needs to wait. Uh, Yeah, I guess that's it for politics. They didn't really do that much interesting stuff with Garak being no, like, I mean, worshipped like, I was going to say the only other thing is that there's just religion brainwashing politics in there but it's not even really like there's not really enough of it to make a statement i mean it's still just like man you gotta feel bad for the savage land yeah i was gonna (laughs) say unless they're saying like zaladane doesn't have power but claims she does she's like oh the priest says that she's got these powers from god and like turns out she just is nobody um they didn't really go that route with it though no and mostly they didn't really explain like why the savage land is so coveted by all these external forces either like What's its power and like what's the deal with it and why do so many people want to capture it and like be the dictator of it? Like why is everybody so obsessed with it? I don't even I li- because like they don't know there's like an outside world, I guess. I don't fucking know. Or maybe it's because it's like relatively small and it's like beautiful and tropical and well, it doesn't like, matter. Everybody's fucking dead now, so I mean they're not though, because apparently the explosion like didn't really 
do anything like i don't <laughs> what about all the people and dinosaurs that fell into oh, the well, earth you're right i forgot about all the dinosaurs that's why i was like dinosaur rights they're already extinct what the fuck you're right i think rogue saved a lot of the humans that fell but you're right that she didn't save all the dinosaurs and that she should have what the true politics is is dinosaurs dying so if you want to talk about more bizarre shit we can do who's that x-men okay who's I was thinking about doing Zaladane, but then I was like looking up Grok anyway, and I was like, I'll just do him because I, even I don't fucking know. Because I don't like, get what his deal is at all. So please fill me in. Okay, so this is this is like the thing is that like I know a lot of X Men stuff, uh, and like I've been reading X Men for thirty years, and I've been reading all kind of X Men, but I don't know a lot of Savage Land stuff except for like I mean, certain me things. Like either. I know stuff of Zaladane. But, like, she wasn't always, like, involved with this. And also, what they ended up doing for the show is they kind of combined all these different concepts of Grok into one character. Mm-hmm. Classic. So, class, classic X-Men TAS move. Understandable. I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know what they would have done otherwise. I, it was hard for them to bring in Zaladane, I felt like, because in the comics, there's a lot of stuff with, like, Rogue and Magneto and Polaris. And then I think, like, Archangel at some point, And, like none of those characters are here. Mm-hmm, so it was mm-hmm. kind of like just using the characters because they had them. So it's interesting. Yeah, that makes sense, though. Yeah, and according to the information I found, uh, Garak has the ability to manipulate energy and matter. He can shapeshift. He has telepathy. He has superior strength. He has stamina and durability and immortality. It's just ridiculousness. I mean, he doesn't actually have a lot of that stuff, at least in this show. No, but so here's already like where it gets different. So Grok was originally a sailor from Great Britain and his boat crashed in Antarctica where he was swept up to the shores of the Savage Land. Very similar backstory to Kazar, if I recall correctly, where he just ends up in the Savage Land. Oh, yeah, Land. I know. I, that's why I said. I thought the same thing. Uh, and then he saw the some people watch, worshiping the statue of Grok. So apparently they're... <gasps> That that tribe is called the Sun People. So he didn't even come up with the concept for Garak. He just like stole it because he saw other people already worshiping this. Oh, thing. no, it gets even better. So he finds a cup underneath it and he drinks from it because he's so thirsty. And the Sun People are like, "What the fuck? Get away from my statue! You can't drink that!" And they chase him off. And so he does make it back to the kingdom of England, and he finds out there that he had become immortal from the potion. And his skin was turning into like this organic stone-like substance, huh. which would be like the, the obsidian, gray, and made him yeah. And, yeah, and made him the gray man. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, he kind of was referred to as the pet- the petrified man. Um, so centuries later, he f- goes back to the Savage Land and discovers that Zaladane had become the high priestess of Garak, and all those people believed that their god would return. And when he comes back, and he's like he's working with Hazar because Zaladane is utilizing this religion to wage a war against people in the Savage Land in the name of Garak. And so the petrified man basically like gets all his energy powers and becomes pure energy and then basically believes that he is Garak, but he's not. So this is where it's complicated is it's like, who the fuck is Grok then? They never explain. So he's just an ancient god that was invented by who knows who on the Savage Right, but Land. something worked to give this dude immortality, right, you know? that's so true. Like, and I, also in Marvel Comics, like, magic is real, gods are real. So as far as we know, Grok was a real god, at least in this world, who existed. Right. Maybe, you know? That's, that's kind of neat that they never bothered to 
define it. But as far as I'm concerned, I think in the Marvel Universe, Garak probably does exist. But they should yeah. have him show up. That would have been way more fun. I mean, it would have been interesting if he just was like a mutant and he never found out but thought he was like a god. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so he thinks that he's Garak and he's like, I must destroy all life on Earth in order to achieve peace, which is very Thanos. But I think around that time, that's just what all the villains wanted to do. Probably because we were like having like other fucking war scares going on at the time and we're like if everyone's just dead then we don't have to deal with this anymore Mm -hmm. it's a classic villain desire i think that's why thanos resonates with people nowadays right although thanos in the movie was like much more relatable than he is in the comic books yeah so eventually at this point even though they had just fought zaladane zaladane and kazar then team up together to kind of defeat the petrified man because he's going crazy just destroying shit and they lure him into this underground pool that makes him mortal again. And as soon as he becomes mortal, his age catches up like instantaneously. And he just like dies and turns to ash. Wow. And then later, uh, Zaladane captures another adventurer, Kirk Marston, and uses magic to resurrect Garak into his body using the ashes of the petrified man. So that's where it's immediately confusing to me because it's like, I'm like, so wait, was he actually Garak? Because if that gave him the powers, like, no, it's just like fucking not explained. Yeah, or like, is this just magic is real? And so his soul yeah, I know. or something could be put into this other person's body. That's, that's what I was like. I don't really know. And so Marston turns into Garak and he teams up with the Zaladane and they and they basically unite the Savage Land by building this like massive city. And then when the X-Men come, Garak is defeated by Cyclops and he like throws him down the city's thermal shaft where they think he's dead. But then later on, Magneto finds him and Magneto forces Garak to be the guardian of the Antarctic of his Antarctic base. And Mm -hmm. then uh, later on, Garak does fight Storm. And during that, he falls into a deep pit where they think that he dies again, but he manages to survive and he returns to his normal size because i guess he got in giant size during with his fight with storm so that is kind of like the plot line that we just saw yeah that's that's why i'm like that that's why it's like it's a lot of different concepts molded into one uh and then finally when the savage line was destroyed by the alien terminus grok found a suit that belonged to terminus and he assumed control and said that he was terminus and he continued to keep on destroying the Savage Land. No real reason. He just like, you know, did that. And the X-Men came back and they fought him and destroyed him in the armor. And then they re- found out that it was just Garak again. And then <laughs> and then Garak's what? like, uh, Garak, I know, Garak pulls the sword on. He's like, sorry, I was out of control. I must uh, do right my wrongs. And so he uses a machine by the high evolutionary to restore the tropical climate to the Savage Land and fix it. But the process infuses Garak's essence into the Savage Land and causes him to cease to exist because he just becomes like energy of the Savage Land. Cool. That's so, great. I mean, not that this made any more sense than what we saw in the episode, I but mean, it's clear that they pulled from all those stories. Yeah. yeah. Like the idea of him becoming part of the Savage Land at the end. I don't know. But see, I don't know if that came out after the animated right. series happened. Yeah. So it's like, I could have all this wrong. And I apologize because my X-Men lore knowledge is usually pretty good, but Savage Land stuff is usually where I get distracted unless Magneto and Rogue are there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. He's just like a bizarre character who... Like, it's like, it's like what you're saying. It's like, okay, so does magic exist? Yes, it does. It's a Marvel universe. We know it exists. But also like, to what extent Rock, is it did he role? ever exist? Right? Yeah. Like, where did that initial magic come from? Or was it just uh, the petrified man got a mutation that made him think that he was Garak? And then, you know, Zaladane just took that DNA and was able to like, 
channel into somebody else but that doesn't make any sense either well, so it's i don't comic know books, so it may as well make sense yeah i think that's I mean, kind of yeah, neat right. that they never really came up with a firm explanation for like where I mean, maybe they did but like from the research i could do i could not figure it well, out Well, if so. anybody happens to know the answer to that and they want to write into the mutant ages at gmail.com i'd i'd be interested to know um obviously yeah. we don't know so they're just gonna start sending us pictures of like their favorite scenes from like legends of the hidden temple instead that's fine too go for that i mean i do love that show so i would be very happy to see that yeah sure, or like just the x-men stuff. participating in legends of the hidden temple send me that for fan art <laughs> that would be really good actually you're right um so should we talk about who's gay it's really obvious the x-men Let's be real. You can say it. It's you want Storm to. and Rogue, folks, winning for the second episode in a row. This it's is Storm like so blatant. And I almost want to say, like, not only Storm Rogue, but I think Storm herself just takes top place. Yeah, here. she like, just number seems one. gay. And I enjoy this as a metaphor. I enjoy this as a literal thing where they're literally dating in the show and it has nothing to do with the metaphor. <laughs> I, I mean, right. It's but as- good either way, honestly. That whole end speech she has yeah. is like a coming out speech, and it's so good. Yeah. It's I a mean, great metaphor. It's one of the more literal examples of a speech where a character, a character's description of their powers really feels like a description of like realizing you're queer or coming to terms with some part of yourself. I mean, it's one of those parts of the show where the metaphor feels really close to what it is, which is cool. Also, Wolverine right. and Kazar, they're gay, too. Well, they are gay. And I also want to shout out to Rogue for not giving up on her girlfriend in her time of need. Yeah. Like, what a good girlfriend Rogue is. Yeah, but also Storm's done the same thing for her in episodes past, so that's kind of neat to see, too. Like, usually Rogue is the one who's, like, flailing around screaming, and this time it was Storm, you know? Right, and she was like, I'll be there for her like she was for me. Even if they weren't gay, that's still a great friendship to have. They're great. I, I'm enjoying their characters so much on this show. And I, I you know I didn't ship them until I started rewatching the show with you for this show. Yeah, you know? I mean, same. And now I, like, really ship these specific versions of the characters. Which Me too. I don't think the comics do at all, really, but... <laughs> uh, sometimes, sometimes sometimes they do. I mean, we got a reader mail that right, basically right. said that. So, I mean, it's possible. But also, I really like that Wolverine and Kazar are still super gay. But Kazar's also kind of gay with Sauron. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, honestly, he's... Sauron's whole deal is kind of gay. I, I feel like last time around, I was like, Sauron's not gay. But like as of this episode, I'm kind of like on board with it. Like, he seems like a self-hating queer person in this which which is, which is sad. sad but that's the storyline they're giving us so i know and i feel like kazar is trying to like making him feel like yeah he i mean at least he way. has a happy ending like everybody kind yeah. of has an ending in this episode where they have to come to terms with every part of themselves even the parts they don't like and that's kind of cool. i know so that is cool i mean i like it again i like it better than the xavier rep that we got no I, I do too xavier i mean like that's come to terms I mean, with okay anything? well hold on i I'm, I'm just gonna say that i like the xavier episode <laughs> oh, more because episode. it's like it's such a good episode it's incredible but xavier's just a still piece of shit at the end at the end of it it's xavier being like time to push down everything i know about myself again and like that's 
his conclusion as opposed to this episode where I feel like that tension is on the surface for the characters and they have to yeah. actually be like, well, I'm going to deal with this. Like, this is going to be a part of me. And I feel like that's more interesting. That's just always more interesting. I agree. And I think I, I like that Kazar is there for poor Shauna, though. Shauna's just Shana's like fucked. watching. Shauna's just watching Kazar fuck Sauron and Wolverine at the same time. Just being like, well, I don't know. Here we go again. <laughs> Oh well. Um, I this isn't gay, but I do want to say shout out to Wolverine for having like total respect for all the women on this show. Yeah, like Wolverine, I mean, like, like watching over Storm for a second was really cute, and it did remind me that like in the comics they're a thing, and I was kind of like, yeah, the show doesn't really go there with them, but uh, they do eventually on this show. Oh, they do. We have a little digression here where we talk about some dimly remembered moments from what I believe is the season four premiere of this show. And we're close enough to that that we may as well just wait and talk about it when it's time. So I cut everything out. Spoilers. <laughs> we'll get but to But anyway, it. I prefer Rogue with Storm and I prefer Wolverine with like any man, particularly <laughs> me. So... We should probably rate the episode, by the way. I skipped over that. Oh, yeah. Um... I again, I will, I'll do like three point five out of five X's. I'll give it a four for gay okay. stuff. I almost gave it a four. Yeah, the gay stuff is really good. I mean, like the writing's really good. I mean, like it's kind of like middle middle of the road, but it's, there's it's some parts a fun that episode. don't make any sense. But I really enjoyed it anyway, so I'm giving it a four yeah. for personal okay. reasons. You're giving, you're giving it four <laughs> because Storm comes out at the end. Yeah, but it's not actually like I did really enjoy the episode, but like obviously we pointed out the things that don't make any sense, like the volcano energy. Like I don't know what the fuck well, that is. Well, you know, but whatever. I enjoyed. Sometimes it anyway. I absorb volcano or energy. Also, mm-hmm. volcano energy is gay. It's the actually end. really good for you. It's it helps. It's I got a lot eat of... obsidian chips for breakfast every morning. <laughs> pour milk. Obsidian chips to help you with your mm. natural antioxidants that you need. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> reader mail. Yay, reader mail! It's time to read a mail. That's our new reader mail song. So we got an email from Ramesh, and this is what we were talking about earlier oh, with yeah, yeah, the yeah. episodes being out of... Read it, because I think of, he explains what's actually I'm not going to read this whole thing because there's like a list here from Wikipedia. Oh, yeah, of all the episodes in the order and stuff. But Ramesh writes, Hello, I just listened to episode 38. It was another good episode. Chronologically, the episode No Mutant is an Island is between episodes 7 and 8 of season 3. So it might make more sense for you to watch that one before moving on to the rest of the Phoenix Saga. Me being too verbose, I was a bit confused when I started listening to your episode because I'm trying to watch the episodes alongside listening to your podcast, and Amazon lists No Mutant is an Island as the next episode after the Phoenix Saga Part 5, Child of Light, which is not the episode you were talking about. And then, quoting Wikipedia, uh, Savage Land's Strange Heart Part 1 was after Child of Light because that's the order they aired it. But in the footnotes, it says No Mutant is an Island, a deal with the devil, and long shot episodes were originally part of season three. However, due to animation problems, oh. they were held back for two years. And consequently, Jean Grey's resurrection was not properly explained. I have this backwards think- then. We are watching it according to the original air dates of the episodes yeah exactly. so our version isn't gonna make as much sense as the version no I'm, but that's fine i'm, I'm kind of on board with it to see what that was like yeah uh, and continuing on i think no mutant is an island is 
Island is the only one of those three that is relevant to this Phoenix saga, but I really don't know. Sorry if all this sounds super nitpicky, I just thought you might want to know, and it might be worth you guys watching No Mutant is an Island before going on to the other Phoenix episodes, so the whole thing makes more sense. But I know that breaks the format you designed for your show, and maybe that would fit more with how you people experienced it the first time around. See you next time. It's not nitpicky at all. I thought it was pretty interesting, actually. Yeah, me too. Like, I mean, I, I remember hearing that before that's not the first time i heard that but i totally forgot in terms of it when we started recording this season like i don't think it's gonna matter if we watch them out of order because i mean it will because we're gonna obsessively analyze every moment of the episodes and be like this doesn't make sense but also like we know what happens on the show so it's gonna make as much sense as it ever would have but i i'm i'm interested to watch it in the order that it aired just so we can kind of re-experience that confusion yeah that'll be interesting to see I, i mean now we know ahead of time why it is the way it is I know. Otherwise, well, I'd be like, why, why is this is even like happening? That? Yeah. I mean, now you guys can avoid us saying that because we'll be like, yeah. remember that Seriously, <laughs> thank you, Ramesh, for letting us know and being nitpicky because otherwise we would yeah. have been stupid I about it. I welcome emails of this kind. I welcome nitpicky emails or supposedly nitpicky ones. Please feel free to send know, us stuff like this. It's interesting. It is. Uh, and then we, we get several tweets, but I did screen cap one that i thought was funny uh where somebody wrote just started listening to the mutant ages and immediately had to check out part of the x-men on youtube that spider-man voting psa is something else i remember that voting psa that shit is good do you remember it you should look it up oh what do you mean do i remember it yes i remember i had the vhs right next to me (laughs) i remember like it was playing that funky like whistle noise during that there was like a chime and i was talking about that we probably talked about it on this show and it's just that it's been so many months that i forgot about it i should probably listen to our own show maybe i should check it when out we started doing this show we were like we're gonna do x-men the animated series and then i was like what if we did all the cartoons and i was like what if we did all the cameos of x-men and any cartoon and then i was like what if we did when the movies and the video began, games originally i was like let's just rewatch x-men the animated series and then for some reason ryan was like no let's watch every single adaptation of the x-men <laughs> and also for for some reason i said yes to that so and you know what you're enjoying you it. everything that you need to know about us anyway yeah. there's one more email here from elliot who writes hey ryan and maddie i wanted to let you know i made something for you in the mutant ages community it's a <laughs> perhaps the first mutant ages fan game and my first visual novel it would make my day if you played this on your youtube channel it's short and there are a few surprises that i would like I would love to see your first reaction to and play it with play it with the sound on. I'd love to hear what you think. My plan is to release this soon, but I want you both to get a chance to see it first. Enjoy. So we're going to do this. <laughs> yes, we are. I Okay, so... We don't have to reveal anything about the game. No, although... I, I didn't play it all the way through. I just opened it for two seconds just to see what it was like, and I was screaming laughing because this is fantastic and as soon as it goes up we'll do a let's play we're gonna make sure we'll link everybody on the youtube channel and we'll Which also very talk apropos. about it in the next episode and when after we've played it and so we can make sure that people can go download it mm-hmm. themselves and this is but a it's very fantastic. apropos time for this person to have made this game and emailed us because what have we done if not recently launch a let's play series on the atomically productions youtube channel called the mutant ages plays in which we play x-men games so yeah you should check those we out we have to film the next wave because we're uh, we've recorded us playing x-men the nas game the uncanny x-men and then yeah. we also then did wolverine, wolverine NES game. and we're almost done releasing those online mm-hmm. so because we beat them 
well, we yeah. didn't beat the first one. I don't know how anyone would, but we beat the uh, Wolverine with cheating, game. But we didn't even bother with that because that game was just horrible. You should definitely check out the Atomic Blue Productions YouTube channel, listener, and watch our Let's Plays so far. They're really, they're snappy, they're tightly edited, they're really funny and cute, and it's not just going to be like one of those big sprawling Let's Plays. It's it's not like that. It's it's snappy yeah, little videos. Yeah, you know, I'm not like that. I did a, I had a Let's Play series before with Mary Ellen. Which was similar. You guys did little episodes, which were good people should yeah like we did like whole games we did a lot of horror stuff but like i would break it up to 10 minute intervals because i'm just like nobody wants to sit around watch a 45 i mean some people do they will watch a 45 minute let's play but that's not something i personally want to do and like i just assume that i have to go and assume that everyone in the world these days has a short attention span. I think that's a good way to go about it. And so like, if you're overwhelmed by the prospect of watching us do a let's play, don't worry. You can just watch us playing for five minutes and telling some jokes and like a snappily edited thing that Ryan makes and decide if you want to watch another one or not. It's really digestible compared to your average video game content on the internet. So you should check it out. I mean, it's also us us taking an 8-bit pixelated Wolverine and putting them in yeah, sexual positions. Yeah, I mean, we just put them in sexual positions and then we, like, shout about it. So, like, that's this yeah. show, except you can see our I mean, faces. I okay, I was gonna say, like, how is that it's different from what we do here? It's literally this show, but you can watch us. What? What's not good about that? So, are we done with Reader Mail, or is it time for plugs? Yep, that's it. Okay, great. We're already plugging, so why not continue plugging Wolverine's butthole with plugs? So, uh, or my you dick. should send us emails at themutantages at gmail.com you like can send us reader mail or fan art. Yeah, you can send us fan art, question mark. Or you can send us a fan game you made. I, we don't expect that from anyone yeah. ever again. But that's, that's I'm, gra- I'm really excited and, and happy that somebody did do that. That's wonderful. But if you want to just send us fan art, that will also make our day. We love what little fan art we've gotten. It's awesome. Um, and if you want to see things like that, we post stuff on our Mutant Ages Twitter at the Mutant Ages. We're individually on Twitter. I'm at Mitty Myers. I'm at Ryan Pagella. And I already said we had a YouTube and I talked about it for like 10 minutes. We have a yep, Patreon. Um, a Patreon. Yeah. Money. Yes. Money. You give it to us. We take it. Fuck. And uh. we can make more <laughs> shit. So in case you didn't know, uh, the Mutant Ages is our flagship title here at Atomic Blue Productions. So we do mostly Mutant Ages stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the podcast, our videos that we're talking about, the Let's Plays. Video games cost money, it turns out, uh, but we also make a lot of other video ge- videos as well, and we are planning some other shows and videos that we want to make, but we need more equipment, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, it's just, it's helpful, and all this stuff costs hosting fees, and we're a completely fan-supported show, so we don't, like, really make money <laughs> yeah. off any of this. We do it for fun, so. So, like, you know, SoundCloud hosting fees, all these other kinds of website hosting fees, this is how we pay for uh, that yeah stuff. in case you haven't noticed and you've listened to this later on it won't matter to you anymore but if you listen to it now you may have noticed that atomic blue productions is dot com is not there right now because we're going to a new server yeah so for now it's redirecting to our facebook page like if you go to atomicblueproductions.com you'll still get to a place but we're gonna redesign the website and that's gonna take time and money so anyway it would be awesome to have some support if you can afford it and your reward for that will be all of these cool backer only content things that are audio video fun things that you could only get if you are able to pay for them so yeah check that out did i forget anything you can go and leave us a review on itunes please oh yeah you could do that that's how people find the show or you can post about it on your personal social media and tell your friends to listen to this awesome show and yeah. that helps too. It does. Well, we did it. We did. We did. I'm surprised we did this 
in under an hour and a half. We're doing a great job lately at that, honestly. Our show is becoming more accessible all the time. Tell I your hope friends. so. More accessible and more gay yep. by the minute. Yay. See you next Wolverine, time. please come over and fuck me. I like how the new sign off for the show is me determinedly saying see you next time and you screaming that you want to fuck Wolverine. Like, that's... Okay, listen, I have goals in life. And if I ever find a man again in my life, I want it to be Wolverine. Okay. I'm just pointing out that like every episode you've begun and ended it with being... Listen. All right. This is what this is what life is like now. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna stop recording. I, I'm just like, all right. You know what? See you next time, everyone. Wolverine, call me. Yes, the X Men have won, but only for now. Magneto is still out there, waiting, planning, plotting the destruction of the human race. But whatever the challenge, whatever the peril, the X Men will be there. Follow us at atomicblueproductions.com. Or support us at patreon.com slash atomicloopproductions.